Friends, let's pray together. Lord God, help us to know your ways. By your holy word, teach us your path. Lead us in your truth and teach us. For you are the God of our salvation. For you, we wait all day long. Through Jesus Christ, we pray. And all God's people said, Amen Amen and Amen. I would like to encourage you to open your Bibles and listen, for these are the very words of God coming from the Gospel of John, chapter 21, verses 1 through 19. After this, Jesus revealed himself again to the disciples by the Sea of Tiberias, and he revealed himself in this way. Simon Peter, Thomas, called the twin, Nathaniel of Cana and Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two others of his disciples were together. Simon Peter said to them, I'm going to fish. They said to him, we will go with you. They went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Just as day was breaking, Jesus was standing on the shore, yet the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to them, children, do you have any fish? They answered him, no. He said to them, Cast the net on the right side of the boat, and you will find some. So they cast it, and now they were not able to haul in because of the quantity of fish. That disciple whom Jesus loved therefore said to Peter, It is the Lord. When Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his outer garment, for he was stripped for work and threw himself into the sea. The other disciples came in the boat, dragging the net full of fish, for they were not far from the land, but about a hundred yards off. When they got out on land, they saw a charcoal fire in place, with fish laid out on it and bread. Jesus said to them, Bring some of the fish that you have just caught. So Simon Peter went aboard and hauled the net ashore, full of large fish, 153 of them. And although there were so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, Come and have breakfast. Now none of the disciples dared ask him, Who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Jesus came and took the bread and gave it to them, and so with the fish. This was now the third time that Jesus was revealed to the disciples after he was raised from the dead. When they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? 
he said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, Feed my lambs. He said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, Tend my sheep. He said to him a third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Truly, truly, I say to you, when you were young, you used to dress yourself and walk wherever you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and another will dress you and carry you where you do not want to go. This he said to show by what kind of death he was to glorify God. And after saying this, he said to him, follow me. Brothers and sisters, these are the very words of God. Thanks be to God. We have just heard, at least for me, one of the best stories in the whole Bible. It could just as easily be my story, or perhaps it is one of yours. It is the story of the Apostle Peter and the Lord Jesus. It is a story about a man who is immeasurably ashamed of something that he had done in his life, being forgiven by the one who he had hurt. It is a story of mercy. It is a story of forgiveness. It is a story of peace. It is a story of reconciliation. And it is a story of love. And that, my friends, is a story that we all need to hear and experience here. Peter, we are told, is on the Sea of Tiberias with some of the other apostles. And all we know so far from the Gospel of John is that since the resurrection, Jesus has revealed himself on a couple other occasions to some of the apostles, as well as to some of the women. We also know that Jesus has appeared to Peter one other time, but there's no record of any words having been exchanged between Jesus and Peter at that encounter. Because Peter, if he's anything like I am, Peter must feel less joyful about the resurrection than all the rest of the apostles. Why? Because of what Peter did on a Thursday in the presence of a charcoal fire. At that charcoal fire, 
Peter denied three times that he even knew Jesus. And on top of that, he went so far as to curse Jesus. So while Peter is almost certainly amazed out of his mind to see Jesus alive, there must be some awkwardness in him. There is most likely a certain dread, a certain fear in waiting for the moment when Jesus is going to sit down with him and bawl him out for his cowardice. And so we are told that Peter is on the Sea of Tiberias and he says to the apostles who are with him, I'm going out to fish. Now, fishing might sound like a good time to some of us, but Peter is going back out to fish somewhat out of shame. Peter hasn't fished for three whole years, for as far as we know. Peter had left behind a life of fishing when Jesus called him to follow and to become a fisher of men. Why would Peter go back to his old way of life and start to fish again? Because Peter thinks, he assumes that there is no way that all those grandiose promises that God had made to him, that Jesus had made to him about being the rock, about having the church built on him, there's no way that those promises could still hold not after all he had done, not after how badly he had blown it around that charcoal fire on that one Thursday. Certainly, Jesus is going to find someone who is better. And so Peter, with a great sense of sadness and a great sense of loss, unsure of what else to do with his life, starts to fish again. Don't we do the same? Don't we tend to live our lives as though all of God's wondrous promises to us are conditional? And that the moment we blow it, especially when we blow it royally, we think that God is going to up and leave us and revoke all those promises and go find someone who is a little bit better, a little bit more faithful. Friends, if we believe that, watch and learn that God's mercy for us, his people, his children, his church, is so far beyond anything we can ever hope for. Eventually, the gospel tells us that the apostles in the boat hear a voice call out to them. There is a miraculous catch of fish, and then they race to the shore to see Jesus. And there, we are told, is another charcoal fire. A charcoal fire. There is only one place in the entire Holy Bible where there is another charcoal fire. It is three chapters earlier in the Gospel of John on a Thursday night in a courtyard. 
And again, what happened on that Thursday at that charcoal fire? Peter denied Jesus, not only once, not only twice, but three different times and cursed Jesus at that charcoal fire. And so here, Peter is seeing the brilliant flames and smelling the smoke of another charcoal fire with Jesus now standing right next to it. That warming fire is the symbol of the most humiliating moment of Peter's life of which he is most ashamed and most embarrassed by. It is the obstacle to Peter finding real peace and finally being filled with godly joy. By that fire, he is forever reminded of his guilt and of his sin and of his shame. And Jesus knows it. So, it seems that Jesus built the fire deliberately and forces Peter to see it. Why? So Jesus can further humiliate him? Not at all. It is so that Peter will understand that the Lord Jesus knows exactly what Peter has done. Jesus knows Peter's many sins. Jesus knows Peter's denial. Jesus knows Peter's cursing and denial. And precisely for these and so much more, Jesus went to the cross. And because of the cross, there is great mercy and there is great peace and there is great forgiveness given to both Peter and now to us. At this fire, Jesus is not going to sit down and accuse Peter. He is not going to rebuke him. Jesus is not going to look at Peter and say, how could you have done this during the moments I most needed you? Jesus does none of those things. Instead, at this charcoal fire, Peter sits down with the Lord and receives mercy and forgiveness and knows that the Lord's love is still there, that all of the Lord's promises still hold true, that Jesus still calls Peter to follow him, that he still entrusts Peter to feed his sheep and the task to shepherd God's people. Despite his sin, In fact, precisely because of Peter's sin, Peter is going to be better qualified to shepherd others because he knows from his own experience how easily others can blow it. Hopefully, because we have been forgiven by God, we too can be gracious towards others when their sin hurts us. By God's great grace and guidance, may we not be like the unmerciful servant in Matthew chapter 18, who, after being forgiven his great debt, turns around and throws a fellow servant in jail. 
Often, people hold grudges and figuratively throw people in jail for much smaller offenses. Yes, my friends, we are called to beckon people to godly and biblical holiness, righteousness, and justice. But during that, and even in the midst of being wronged by others, may we show mercy and grace as we have been given mercy and grace. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Matthew 5, 7. Peter, because he experienced this forgiveness from God, then calls sinners, you and me, to admit our sins, confess our sins, repent, and receive God's forgiveness, and then strive to live lives of godly holiness, righteousness, and justice and joy apart from sin. Because Peter receives all this mercy and forgiveness from God by this charcoal fire, all that Peter did around that other charcoal fire is undone. Brothers and sisters, we can receive the same. This is why Peter, by the guidance of God, proclaims and pleads that we would repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit for the promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off, everyone whom the Lord God calls to himself. Acts 2, verse 38. Peter has received God's forgiveness and mercy, and we can, today and now, receive the same and then show others the same. Which brings about great healing in this desperately broken world. We all need healing. We all need forgiveness. We all need to be saved. And we can all receive it and then show it. What a great lesson there is in all of this, my friends. All of us are sinners. All of us need God's mercy. All of us have blown it somehow. Some of us, maybe not so greatly in life. Others of us, like me on occasions, have blown it pretty badly. We all have in our memories certain fireside scenes that stay with us throughout our lives. And we can wonder, perhaps, or at least I can wonder, if there is really forgiveness for us, if there's forgiveness for me. And the gospel, my friends, the good news, tells us that there certainly is. Jesus wants us to understand that his forgiveness is not something vague, it is not something abstract, it is not conditional. His forgiveness and mercy and grace is for our particular sins. Every single one of them. 
It is for those things that we are most humiliated by and most ashamed by. And friends, what does sin, all sin, do to our lives and to this world? What does sin bring about? Pride goes before the destruction and a haughty spirit before the fall. Proverbs 16, 18. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Romans 6, 23. Sin. All sin, yours and mine, brings about stumbling, destruction, and death at all stages and places in life. But praise be the God that he brings about life and forgiveness and restoration to his people. When I was in college, my friends, I would go home during the summer and stay with my parents. And while under the roof, I, they gave me chores to do. One of them was to take out the trash. But one week, on trash pickup day, I forgot to put out the garbage. And as many of you know, garbage has a way of making itself known, especially in the hot sun. That garbage began to smell. Every day, it kept piling on, and we piled on more and more. And it even began to spill over the trash bin And that bin was right next to where you came in and out of the house. Every time we went in or out, we would get a whiff of it. It became disgusting. The foul aroma even began to seep into the house and infected the atmosphere. Then, because of the smell coming into the house, it started to affect my mom's relationship with me. Every time she looked at me, it was as if she was saying, why didn't you take out the garbage on trash day? The next week when it was trash day, I definitely took out the garbage. Then the atmosphere around the house cleaned up and the relationship with my mom got better. Everything was okay. Friends, If you don't take out the garbage daily, it piles up. It begins to stink. It will pollute your relationships and cause you to move farther away from people. And so it is with the sins in our lives. Sin causes stumbling, destruction, and death in our lives and in the world. It stinks. It causes separation between us and God and us and others. So, if we want to be cleansed by God, we must confess our sins to God in prayer and put out the garbage, put out our sins daily, and then strive against our sins in God being able to take away our trash, to take away our sins, takes it far, far from us. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, 
So great is his steadfast love towards those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. Psalm 103, verses 11 and 12. Today, in the Gospel of John, Jesus is calling all of us to face the fires and sins in our lives, not to hide from them, but to face them and to meet Jesus, God in the flesh, standing there. Which we do in a remarkable way when we admit our sins and repent and confess them in prayer, desiring to live lives free of sin and away from sin. Whenever we confess our sins, Jesus meets with us in a spiritual but no less real way. And just as Peter received forgiveness around that charcoal fire, so do we truly when we confess our sins to God. God truly washes our sins away. Maybe some of us think or feel that we are too damaged for anyone, especially God to forgive. Friends, there is no one too damaged, too sinful, or too far gone for God to forgive and to save. Absolutely no one. When we, his people, face the fires or sins in our lives and confess our sins to God in prayer, in that time and in that place, we will find Jesus truly standing there with mercy, ready to restore our peace and fill us with his freedom and his joy. The Apostle John, who was there with Peter, later wrote, If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. 1 John chapter 1, verses 8 and 9. Friends, God does not just cleanse us from some unrighteousness. He cleanses us from all unrighteousness. Meaning, God's forgiveness brings about a full cleansing of all of our many sins, no matter how big or small they are. And he is ready to pour out this forgiveness here and now to you and to me, truly. Just as Jesus was truly standing at that charcoal fire to forgive Peter, today, right now, Jesus, by the power of the Holy Spirit, is spiritually, truly here, here at Cornerstone Church. And Jesus is ready to forgive you and to forgive me. He is here to douse our sinful embers and flames with his cleansing forgiveness, mercy, and grace. And what does God's great forgiveness 
bring into your life and into mine? Salvation, healing, freedom, peace, and joy. Don't we all desire that? So, let us often go to God in prayer and confess our many sins. And in those moments, we will receive God's great mercy, forgiveness, and grace. And because of that, then we'll be able to live a life that is eternal and abundant, filled with freedom and joy, a life able to joyfully serve the Lord and serve God's mission. Brothers and sisters, real peace and joy don't come from pretending that there is nothing wrong with us and that there's no sin in our lives. Real peace and joy come from encountering Jesus who bestows these things on us for those things that we don't want anyone else to know. Whether those sins appear to us to be big or small or anywhere in between, God has mercy for every single sin in my life. And God has mercy for every single sin in your life. Real peace and real joy come from knowing that the Lord loves us no matter what and that we can always start over again. Peter, by that charcoal fire, came to know and experience this. May we, by the charcoal fires and sins in our own lives, come to know and really experience this as well. For that is what God desires for his people, to pour out these great gifts to you and to me from the cross, for the healing of our lives and for the healing of the world. There will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who need no repentance. Luke 15, 7. May God's great forgiveness bring about great joy, not only in heaven, but among his people today, here and now. May you and I, when we confess our sins to God in prayer, may we then experience his freedom and his great joy. Praise be the God for all of his great gifts. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. May it be so.